are listening to the All in IT Radio. Join us as we talk about everything related to information technology and some other random stuff as well. Help us try to find how IT relates to each and every one of us and what's really behind the story headlines. We are Swedes and we talk tech. Coming to you live from the All in IT Radio Island. It's me, Kenneth, and it's my partner in crime, Henrik, over there. Your lovely co-host, Henrik. Good day, people. Yeah, something like that. And this time we are on a nice beach on our own tropical island. It's not big, no, but it suits our needs. It's just perfect for us and our... Uh, close family and friends, of course. I had it measured just a few minutes ago. I think it's about 7.85 meters or something like that. Oh, all right. But still, it's our island. But how did we land our private jet, I ask? Well, it landed on the water, silly. Oh, of course. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, great. We don't have that much of family and friends, right? <laughs> Seven and a half meters? Well, that's all we could afford. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Everyone wants to be in the water anyway. You don't get much bigger island for the kind of money we have for, to run this podcast. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. You might be right. Anyway, the topic for today will be the conferences and the events of the year. Are you looking forward to talking about this, Henrik? Yes, I do. I like to trip, take a trip down memory lane and try to remember the stuff we have learned on the conference over the past year. Sounds great. But first off, we start this podcast off with a running start, and we do it with one cool thing. So, Henrik, what's your cool thing? My cool thing this time is Secunia PSI. And Secunia is a company who makes this product called Secunia PSI, and... Basically, it's a small software you install on your computer. I think they mostly aim to Windows computers, but it's available on Linux and Mac as well. Basic thing with it is it monitors all of your programs installed on your computer and check if they are up to date. And if not, it uh, points you in the direction of where you can get this said update and uh, forces you to update it. And the basic product, PSI, is, is the monitor you install on your computer. But what I tested uh, a few months ago is the small business version of this program. And the small business program also introduced a web interface where you can have up to 50 computers if you pay. But the free license is for five computers. So I have it on my, my desktop, on my laptop and my uh, computer at work. So I monitor all the programs uh, on these three computers. It informs me if I have all the programs up to date or in some cases like the uh, uh, the free programs uh, Adobe released, the CS2 suite. It tells me that I should update CS2 to, well, the latest, which is Creative Cloud, CC. But then you can uh, simply just untick the programs you don't want it to monitor anymore. As another example, uh, on my desktop computer at home, I have a very annoying DVD suite called uh, something like uh, 
Cyberlink DVD right, I've heard maker of it. tool. Yeah. Da, da. And it's impossible to uninstall. I've tried to download new uninstall files. Nothing works. I can't get rid of the program. And I don't want to just delete the files manually. So what I did in Secunia just to, to make it stop nagging me about, uh, about updating this program, I just can untick the program until, well, I got rid of, of it. And it's not only programs, it's drivers as well, right? Yeah, not sure about that. It was actually. when I tried it at least, but that was some time ago. All right, not to put you on the spot. We can check that out. Well, I'm starting it now. I just have to have a quick look. Secunia is a Danish company, actually. Okay. I'm checking their Wikipedia page. <laughs> ah. Well, the the client takes some time to load, but from what I remember, it doesn't take anything other than installed software. All right. Fair enough. But still, it has a very nice interface with... with uh, if you if you want you have you can tick a box that says detailed view and that then you get a lot more information about well the history of said uh, software and when you last updated it and other useful stuff so yeah that's my one cool thing what's your Kenneth my cool thing is once again something involving google actually i just realized that doesn't feel that great ah uh, anyway this is a discovery I made. I saw a message on Google Plus telling us about a mod for Minecraft. You know, the Square game. N not the company Square. It's it's made up of squares. Yeah, blocks. Whatever. Everyone knows Minecraft. I think most of our listeners know what Minecraft is, if I'm to be honest. Yeah, sure. Uh, from a Swedish company. And... Someone released a mod for that, uh, an add-on, called QCraft. And they introduced a lot of quantum mechanics, quantum physics components. Which okay. in itself is rather spectacular, actually. Yeah. But the great thing isn't, and my discovery isn't, that Minecraft is pretty cool and that the, you can actually do quantum physics in it. But who actually released it? And that was the Google Quantum AI Lab. Okay. Yeah. Does Google have a, a quantum AI lab? <laughs> exactly. And AI, that's artificial intelligence. And more importantly, what do they do? Precisely my point. Planning world domination? <laughs> I mean, is the somewhere Skynet will start? It's at the quantum <laughs> artificial intelligence lab at Google, all right? I just have to say, we will get to this later in the next segment when we'll talk about conferences. But the last conference you and I went to, FSCons, one of the speakers had a brilliant PowerPoint slide where he talked about free software in education versus proprietary software, in this case Microsoft Office and uh, XP and such. He had a brilliant mashup of two logos from Microsoft. Uh, one half was the Skype logo, Right. But just S-K-Y. And the next half of the logo was .NET. So it read Sky.NET. Right, so Microsoft is the beginning of Skynet. Yeah, might be, but I think Google's actually competing with them on yeah, that point here. I think so as well. And Google is known for their moonshots project, uh, that they they aim for the moon and see where 
it takes them. Yeah. And they try crazy stuff. And I don't even want to imagine what an quantum AI lab tries for a moonshot when they do quantum physics in Minecraft on their free time. Hmm. Oh, well, that realization, that was my cool thing for this episode. Okay, but have you actually tried this mod for... No, not yet. Okay. Do you know what it does? I've seen a video of it. If you follow me on Google+, I've linked to it uh, a month ago or so. So you can see how it works. It's in beta or, or alpha even, so it's not really ready for prime consumption yet. But eventually, why not? Let's try it. Ah, could be fun. Okay, link will be in the show notes. As always. So anyone who has listened to this podcast before, they know that you and I, we run to conferences each and every week. Well, not quite that often, but we, we do attend some conferences. Yeah, I would say almost that often. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like two or three conferences a year, so it's not that much. It's enough. But still, it's, it's interesting, and yeah. it's a nice way to not just get to know more in the field you're interested in and the field that the conference is about, but also to widen your horizons, to learn new things and stuff in the genre you're interested in, but that you might not have known beforehand. Yeah. And we thought that we should perhaps share a few thoughts about the conferences we've been to during 2013. What was the first conference we attended? Do you remember? The first conference we attended this year, I think, was Retrospelsmässan. In English, that would be the Retro Game Fair. Retro Game Conference. Retro Game Gathering, I've translated it yeah. to, I think. But something along those lines. And what do you do there? What's that about? It's a fair with a lot of retrospelarna. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So there are long roads of tables with exhibitions. There are companies and ordinary persons there selling old games. And it's mainly video games. Yeah. Not that many computer games, but they were represented as well. Exactly. But they had to be like older than the year 2000 or something like that. Something, yeah. From what I remember from the venue, there was, I think, five, five sections or something like that. Uh, you had at, near the entrance. You had tables along the walls with the common geek, uh, the common geek uh, stuff and swag. I know you know t-shirts and uh, lanyards and uh, blinking LED stuff and uh, USB gadgets and uh, all that stuff with various Nintendo and Sega references and Big Bang Theory and all that stuff. So w when you went further in the venue, you had the second section with tables in the middle with the second-hand video games in various sorts. Uh, Game Boy games, PlayStation games, Sega games, 64 games, Atari games, whatever, actually. And the third section was along the wall further in, and there they had a lot of arcades. And the middle section um, along the, um, the podium 
was the uh, event stage. Yeah, exactly. They had competitions. It was uh, the Swedish masterships in Super Mario Kart and a few other games, I believe. Yeah, I remember that. Well, the last section uh, was an art exhibition. Right. And um, collection exhibition, if you like. There was a great Metroid collection. And every NES, that's Nintendo Entertainment System game, released in Sweden ever. Yeah. In a glass stall there. It was 200, if I remember correctly. Something like that, yeah. And they had cosplayers, people who dressed up like video game and anime characters. There was a competition for that as well. They had sort of uh, an interview area right around there as well. Yeah, exactly. But there were about roughly 2,000 visitors there that day. And the venue, Eriksbergshallen in Gothenburg, is the second largest exhibition hall in Gothenburg. Okay. So it's quite a large event, which we noticed because we had to queue for three hours to get in. Yeah. Uh, side note, is it second largest after Svenska Messan? Yeah, okay. exactly. Right. Yes. Yeah, nothing beats Svenska Messan. It's huge. But it was well worth waiting three hours. It, it was great to go around look at these games. Did you buy anything? I don't even remember. I bought some stuff, yes. My first portable game console ever. I've never owned one. Oh, really? Well, I... During my whole childhood, I've basically been borrowing consoles from friends. I've never had any console. I, I'm grown up on PC. So I used to borrow Segas and Xbox and Playstations from friends and Game Boys and Game Advance. So this was my first portable gaming console I've ever owned. And it, so I bought a used uh, Game Boy Advance. Oh, right. With two games, I think. Mario Tennis was included. Mm-hmm. Awful game. And uh, <laughs> I bought... The port of SSX3 to Game Boy Advance. Because I love the game on Xbox and PlayStation 2, the original release. So I just had to have the SSX3 game. And have you used it any? Yeah, I have. But the first disappointment that struck me like a trailer truck was that I have completely forgotten how the modern technology used to be. So when I got home and uh, I bought some uh, batteries on my way home and loaded the Game Boy Advance and put the cartridge in and started it up and I heard that sweet, sweet uh, intro tune that you always hear on the Game Boy Advance. And I was like, oh, nostalgic. And then I realized this thing has no backlight. And the graphics look like crap. Yeah, they did. (laughs) But that's the charm of retro. Yeah, I think... It is, or not. And um, apart from that, uh, the, the the basic reason was that I found the SSX3 uh, port cartridge on Game Boy Advance for like uh, 30 Swedish crowns, that it's three or four dollars. And I was just thinking to myself, I must have this, but then I don't have any console for it, so I'd rather have a console as well. So, well, yeah. How much did you have to pay for it? I think I paid 300 Swedish crowns for the Game Boy Advance. Yeah. With Mario Tennis included. So it, it's not a big deal, really. No, fair enough. Yeah, it is. Uh, the other thing I bought was... Uh, I bought Private 2, The Darkening. So for those of you who don't know, um, it is basically a spin-off of the famous Wing Commander franchise by Chris Roberts. 
So from the original Wing Commander, he made like up to five or six or something like that. And the spin-off from the Wing Commander, which is more like a military flight academy in space thing, the privateer is more for like freelancer route. You do your own thing and explore the galaxy and so on. So I, I managed to find the Privateer 2 uh, box release um, in, a, in a stall at the, at the fair. And I think I got it for about 30 Swedish crowns. So again, four or five dollars, not, nothing big. I think that was uh, all I, I bought really. Two, no, three games and one old game console. Right. Will you go again? I'd love to. I, I love the experience. Right. Just, just walking around and digging in crates and finding old stuff and finding the, the, the thrill of finding these unusual gems, gems hidden in the boxes. Even though you had to queue for three hours? Yeah. As far as I remember, the weather was pretty nice that day. It was sunny, it was warm. Yeah, it was spring day, it was great. Yeah, extraordinary weather. If, if it rained, hmm, maybe the overall experience had been a bit tainted but overall it was a great day i wholeheartedly agree and i bought a mushroom a mario mushroom uh, plushy toy green or red no it, it, i took the red one the power up not the new life one and i bought a third party uh, super nintendo controller i believe because I only have two originals and they are becoming... Well, they work still, but I'd like to have a spare one. But still, the best thing I got was an interview with a local celebrity here in Sweden. One of the gaming grannar, the gaming neighbors. And if you want to hear that and a bit more about Retrospelsmässan, you have to look for my episode on Hacker Public Radio where that interview is prominently displayed. Uh, we will have a link in the show note, of course. And what was the next conference we attended? Not long thereafter. Hmm. It was in Gothenburg as well, I think. It was. It was on Jan Torget. Correct. It was in Folkets Hus. Absolutely. I know what it is. What was it? It was Drupal Camp. True that. And this was, what, our, our second Drupal camp? Yes. And it's the second one ever in Gothenburg, so we've attended them all. Yeah. And on this Drupal camp, just like on the first one, I actually held a session. Correct. But this year I talked about the Unix shell for designers, that is the really basic concepts for how to handle a server on the command line since designers often don't know that. They're a bit afraid of that world. hey <laughs> People like you. But you know the basics and you actually benefit from it. So my thought was that others would benefit from it as well. Not the best idea, not the best topic for that crowd I felt, but hey, you do it once, never again. Yeah, I felt like your session was, for me personally, I knew most of the things you said as a designer. And I think most of the other designers in the room as well, well, first and foremost, there weren't that many designers 
on Drupal Camp. Most of them were devs or people from their own companies and well, people who know a lot about the Drupal, both core and well, design and development. So I, I think the your session was a bit well laying the bar too low for that crowd. Yeah. Even if the even if the content was brilliant. Yeah, well I felt that too. So I have to think of something else to talk about next year. I'm thinking of applying next year as well. But we'll see when we get there. For our listeners who might not know, uh, could we perhaps describe what Drupal Camp is? Yeah, so, well, first and foremost, Drupal is a content management system. We've mentioned it before. It's a CMS. So it's something you install on your server and it uh, creates web pages dynamically from the content you feed to it. So it's its main competitor in that space, in the blog space, is WordPress, which people might have heard of. And Drupal Camp is a conference... About this software. Yeah, exactly, about this. And at this conference you find all the companies in Gothenburg who specializes on delivering web pages created in Drupal. And they are quite a lot, actually you would be surprised. And there's people from all over the world there, but mainly the west of Sweden and... And Scandinavia. Denmark, perhaps. Scandinavia, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel like they have created a pretty nice little community in the Gothenburg area around Drupal. I see on Twitter uh, regularly, all year round, they have all these small gatherings in the... Meetups, yeah, meetups in the different uh, on the different companies and hack sessions, right? Yeah, so I think it's brilliant for for these small companies to actually interact with each other. And it's strange; it's not that competitive feel, but rather, and, and they actually gave examples of this as well. That if a, a customer, a client, comes to one of the companies and asks for something specific, and they are not the best at that specific thing they refer him to another company a competitor and says they are good at that go to them Um, and it's a head scratcher but it really works and that is not just the Gothenburg Drupal community it is as I've heard at least part of the Drupal community worldwide it's an open and inviting community and we learned quite a lot of new things there and will you go back to Drupal camp next year 2014? I will. Well, I've used Drupal and I tried to use Drupal, so of course I want to learn more about it. And then we had the long Swedish summer with sun and rain in equal amounts. And after the summer, there weren't any conferences really until November. None that interested us at least. And what happened in November? In November, we went to the same conference we have been to at least this was the third year for me and i think it's fourth year for you yep that's correct we went to fscons let me try this one i think fscons if i remember correctly stands for uh free soft you won't get it no i won't (laughs) uh free i know free software is somewhere in that and i know society is somewhere in that Free Society and Conference Nordic Summit. Yeah, you put the and in the wrong place, but that's okay. that, that's basically it. Free Society Conference and Nordic Summit. 
Right. Okay. And you're right, there was a free software there once upon a time when they started a conference, but they've changed that since then. And if you have a little read on the webpage, they say that this conference exists to provide a meeting place where subjects covering society, culture and technology can be discussed and brought to life in peer discussion. They want to merge these different points of view. And the, they say that the unique combination of topics creates a platform where cross-pollination between the areas can occur and where new cooperations and thoughts can emerge, which allows the participants to find new inspiration even from areas outside of their own. And that's a part of at least my idea of what a conference should be. It should be new influences and knowledge that you perhaps didn't know that you could benefit from. Right. To widen your horizons and, and broaden your general knowledge base. And we had a show about FSCons, I believe it was 2011, if you want to go back and listen to that, where we covered the sessions one by one. But was there anything in particular that you remember from this year's FSCons? thing about FSCons this year, I've been pretty excited about it the last two years I went to it, 2011-2012. This year, not so much. I basically booked a ticket just because you said you were going there again. More or less the only thing that caught my interest when I checked the, the schedule before I bought my ticket was one of the first sessions about OwnCloud held by the man who created OwnCloud. And what is that? Well, at home I'm trying to fix my network and, well, one of the new th things I'm trying to install is a network attached storage device. And I'm in the, still in the planning stage, just trying to f uh, figure out what unit I should get, if I should build my own unit, or if, I should, if I should buy a package with one, or if I should use a service like OwnCloud, which is a private cloud at home. Uh, so that's the only thing that caught my interest. And... Luckily, as we didn't find any parking space in time, uh, I missed the session. Yeah, that was great, wasn't it? You were interested in one thing and we missed that. <laughs> yep. So after that, I was more like, okay, one session and then we have lunch and I can go home. But nope, we stayed. Were you disappointed? No, I must say I wasn't. As I said, most, most of the other sessions didn't interest me uh, at the first glance uh, uh, when, when I just looked at them. What I can recall now is that we went to, well, at least a handful of quite interesting sessions. As you said, not things that I would usually be interested in, uh, subjects subjects I most likely wouldn't even read about. But when we went to these sessions and the speakers had this glowing passion for their subject, mm. they really caught my attention. I, I remember especially one we went to uh, on, on the um, Sunday... Uh, I think it was called an open source infrastructure for language technology. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it wasn't that one. Wasn't it? It was the one above. Linguistics as open source code. No, I don't think it was. Yes, it was because we went to why is free software important in education on that slot. Okay, there must have a mix up in my printed program then. Okay. Linguistics is listed on the afternoon. Oh, oh, all right. Oh, never mind. But those two were connected. It was a part yeah, one and part two. So they were exactly. Uh, I think they were held by a Norwegian linguistic, Trond Trosterud. Right, 
And he, he like was fluent in, I don't know, home languages, five or six or seven or something like that. And he basically, basically he talked about uh, translation software and how they developed it and thoughts he had about it from uh, working with it over 15, 20 years. And, uh, and he showed the difference in his take on it and like Google Translate. Google Translate is just a big chunk of data and statistics and the probability that this word should be translated to this word. Yes, right. But his take on it, his way to tackle the problem was programmatically. He, he was trying to teach the program, the computer, to actually recognize and understand the sentences. So if you have this particular word, and if this word is preceded by another word or two or three other words, it has this particular meaning and then it should be translated like this. He showed this in a, uh, a nice, nice graph. And that is, of course, much harder since languages are such fleeing things. They aren't stable, but the grammar doesn't change that much, fortunately. Not that fast, uh, anyway. So I think my, my comment to you and your comment as well, after his session before lunch summed well up all of FSCon pretty nice, I think as I, I said something along the lines of, it was really interesting. I didn't understand a thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because I love and have interest in, in uh, well, not linguistics, but languages and translation and uh, that's those of words. And, but I didn't understand a thing of what he was trying to described to me uh, and in the programming he tried to uh, give example of and uh, and the other stuff but it was really interesting because he he, he had a such good presentation skills yeah uh, absolutely I, I was very fascinated but i didn't get more than perhaps half of what he actually said <laughs> another very interesting session which i did understand was Albin Olsson, how and why I ended up at the Eurovision Song Contest in Malmö. And he was there representing Wikimedia Commons. That is the organization and the servers that host all the material, the video and the images and the audio files as well that are used by Wikipedia. And he told us about how he borrowed equipment from Wikimedia and went to the Eurovision Song Contest in Malmö with a press pass. So he could actually get in there during rehearsals, he could interview all the artists and make sure that Wikipedia got great coverage because the Eurovision Song Contest is a big thing in Europe. So every song has its own page, every contestant has its own page. And he made sure that there were images and video clips for all of it. What, what did he say? It was like one and a half thousand, two thousand images or something like that. Something like that. Some crazy amount. Right. And he was very entertaining. He had the skill to engage an audience. He made us laugh at various occasions. But you knew him from other places as well, right? I uh, had a talk with him after his session, and he tried to figure out how I knew him, but he didn't knew me. <laughs> and I think that's the curse of the internet. Right. Uh, thing thing is, uh, both uh, he and I 
have a common interest in a Swedish comedy group. And he has been very prominent on the internet in Sweden and created a local wiki page about this comedy group and their productions over the years. And, well, he have put some of their clips on YouTube and stuff like that. So, of course, I've run into him on the internet. And when I saw on the book fair at Svenska Messan earlier this, uh, this autumn... Uh, and on the Jumbotron, when I entered the fair, I saw a tweet from Albin Olsson uh, under the Wikimedia uh, account, I think it was. Uh, and they basically said, we are here from Wikipedia and we will take photos of you, i.e. the the authors uh, at the fair, uh, to update their Wikipedia pages. And I was like, okay, I know him, but where do I know him from? Ah, I know him from there, but is he involved with Wikipedia? And then we went to FSCons now, and I saw that he was going to have a session. So I thought that I must listen to what he has to say. Yeah, the the topic for the book fair this year was... Was it Romanian? Romania, I think, was the theme country. Yeah, Romanian authors. So they contacted Wikipedia in Romania and asked which authors they didn't have any good photos of. So that they could do it while they were all in one place, even though it was Sweden, a bit far away from home. And they got a list of 20, 25 (laughs) authors that they were supposed to photograph, and they got them. And some of them didn't have any photos on Wikipedia before, so it was a good thing as well. It was really interesting hearing of how they gathered these images and videos for Wikipedia, Mm. and how important it is. Right. And I think one thing was very interesting he, he, when he described how people and organizations look at Wikipedia and Wikimedia. At first, they tried to get a press pass to the Eurovision Song Contest, and they said they, were, they weren't allowed, and they hadn't any places left and stuff like that. No, no slots left for Swedish news coverage. Right. But when they told them that they were from Wikipedia, that this was a global thing, not just for the Swedish part of Wikipedia or, or such, but then they actually got it, they understood. Mm. And then it was not a question of if they were allowed, it was just, you are very welcome. And he said he was a bit afraid of how will the other press folks look at Wikipedia, because they, the other press folks from at least Swedish media and European media are of course there for, well, commercial coverage. They, they get their salary from the the new stations they work for. And the other photographers there are their competition. Right. Uh, it's exactly. just natural. Yeah, of course. Uh, but he said he was more uh, more or less the only one that were friends with all of the other press me- uh, folks. Because they were like, oh, Wikipedia, cool. Mm-hmm. He, he was new well? to the ground. It's, it's strange. Yeah. <laughs> so out of, out of all of the sessions at this year's Ethicons, I think... That was the most interesting one because I'm very much interested in all media related stuff, music, uh, photo, video, all that stuff. So if I had more free time than I have currently, I'd love to be involved in Wikimedia and is it Wikimedia Commons, they call it? Right, exactly. Yeah, and uh, make coverage for them and submit things. And generally, it's I think it's very easy even for... Uh, anyone to contribute to not just the text 
content on Wikipedia, but the Wikimedia Commons part. Yeah, I think people forget that the photographs and video clips comes from somewhere. Yeah. And even if you have something laying around, if you have some old photos of some public art, um, statues out on the streets, a part of town, perhaps old pictures as well, that's very interesting. I mean, a, an old bridge that's been torn down or or a part of town that's been remodeled or anything it could yeah. be really interesting yeah to upload to wikipedia and they are grateful for it right because thing is most of the uh, if you call them commercial encyclopedias in the world already have that have that stuff and they know where to collect their uh, material for encyclopedias and um, and articles but the free encyclopedia wikipedia needs content that's free. They can't take pictures from the internet on the Google search engine uh, because they're copyrighted. So the great thing with you as a private person having pictures of, as you said, your your town or nature around where you live or something like that, if there are articles about it on Wikipedia, it's very much welcome to submit it to Wikipedia Commons because they love everything they can get. It makes every article so much better. And besides that, I got an interview. No, I got two interviews, actually. Two interviews, and I filmed them. Yeah, you filmed them. That's the first time we film our interviews. Let's see how that works out. And you will find those video clips on the All In IT Radio YouTube channel? Or will it be Vimeo? I think it will be YouTube. It's more more accessible than Vimeo, anyway. We haven't worked the details out and it's not edited yet, but uh, we will keep you posted. One of the interviews that we did was with Michael Montevideenius, the creator of MySQL and MariaDB, the most used databases in the world, actually. Almost every web server are using one or the other, and he told us that story. And a bit about... He, he basically told us his story about how he created MySQL from the beginning and how he sold it to well another company and how it went downhill and how he now runs the successor in his, in his eyes to the MySQL database, the MariaDB database. Exactly. Which he is more or less a, a sort of evangelist nowadays for. And if you want to hear more about that... Go and listen to that episode as soon as it's released. And the audio from that episode will be released on Hacker Public Radio. But the video will be released uh, under the All in IT radio flag. So, But keep an eye out on the show, social networks on Twitter and uh, Google Plus and yeah. on our webpage. We will post every interesting uh, thing there and all the links as they get released. So, will you visit FSCons next year? Somehow it manages to drag me back in. I try to leave it every year and like, this is the last time, and nope. So, uh, yeah, I think I will be there next year. Somehow I think, I feel like it's been more mature uh, for every year, and especially this year, because they changed the venue. I think this year's venue was much better. And, of course, the sessions, the speakers... And the crowd, the organization. I think I felt that much, most of the things ran, uh, ran smoothly. 
high quality speakers from all around the world. Uh, I get, I'm really surprised at the quality of the speakers, actually. And they had a track just for kids this year, so yeah, people could bring their children and let them tinker with robots and other stuff. They had a whole uh, workshop um, track actually, where, where where some of the stuff were were especially for kids. But you and I went on the was it the first day? Yeah, the Libre Jam. Right. Making music with free tools with Gabriel Norderborn. No, it wasn't Gabriel. No, he was sick, so we had uh, Staffa Melin from uh, Oscillator Oscillator. True that, true that. And we didn't even mention the keynote speakers, actually. Karen Sandler, known podcaster or ogcaster, as she prefers to call it. She's with the... Yeah, what is it now? She's with the... She is the director of the Gnome Foundation... And she's a lawyer, which she begged us not to hold against her. And she has been a general counsel on the Software Freedom Law Center. So she she's a great speaker, great public speaker. And she's a cyborg, as she mentioned. If you get a chance to listen to her talk about that, do, because it was great. Yeah, well, you can check it out on YouTube. It's very fascinating. Absolutely. As her parents said after hearing her speech about it, now we understand why you're a lawyer who doesn't earn any money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was a great comment. <clears throat> right. So that was pretty much all the conferences we've attended this year. Yeah, I think so. But there were one other thing which happened, actually, which we should perhaps mention. And that was Svenska Podradiopriset. Correct. So it's the Swedish Podcasting Awards uh, and I, I'm not really sure of the validity of this. It's an organization that just decided that we will host these. But they have been doing it a couple of years now. No, not a couple even. Since 2006. And there are no one else telling them to step down. So they will probably continue to host them. We were featured in the categories The Best Swedish Podcast and best technology and science and we won everything and now we are rich <laughs> exactly we're transmitting from our own secret island no no we're not yes we do and we want to thank everyone who voted for us it was great it was a lot more than i actually thought would yeah give i was surprised to vote. as well thank you very much and we came in Dead last, of course, mm. with 37 votes in Best Technology and Science. The winner got 1,050 votes, which isn't that much of a difference, actually. No. Well, it's a great difference, but... Depends on how you look at it. And the one just above us, we were in eighth place. And in seventh place, the nominee got 107 votes, and we got 37 so it's just 70 votes more. Yeah. Not that great a difference. No, that's at least 37 more votes than I expected. <laughs> oh, it was, actually. And we weren't in it last year, so it's 100% uh, better than last year. And the best Swedish podcast, there were 86 nominees, and we ended up with 10 votes on play 69. Not bad. Not bad. 
we will win next year. We beat uh, P1 Dokumentär from uh, <laughs> Swedish Radio. No, I listen to Swedish Radio. Yeah, well, don't say that. Unless it's traffic reports. <laughs> Not true. A lot of people <laughs> listen to it. Well, we just wanted to mention it and give you our heartfelt thanks. And we will probably enter next year as well. But we'll keep you posted on that. And now it's time to wrap this up. We are at the end of this episode of All Night Radio. How do people contact us? People contact us by shouting loud enough. Or they can use mail. What is the mail address, Henrik? The mail address is show at aiit.se. Wonderful. And on the social networks, where do they find us? They find me on Twitter at Warpfuzz, W-A-R-P-F-U-Z. And they found you on Twitter, Altinomite, A-L-L-T-I-N-O-M-I-T. Do you still use your identity account? I haven't been able to log in there since they migrated to a new version of their software. <laughs> so, well, no, not really, but... I wish to. So you won't find him on Identica? Uh, probably not. But you can find us on Google+, Plus because we have our page there. Right. What is our page there? You can reach it by going to aiit.se slash radio slash plus, and that's the plus sign, not the word. And we really appreciate you getting in touch with us. We love your feedback, and we read all of it. So please do. And now... It's time to listen to the outro music. Who is it this time, Henrik? This time the unfortunate person is D underscore Tom. It might be Dennis, actually. And the track is called Dance in the Beautiful Night. It's released on Yamendo under a Creative Commons license. Share alike. CCBYSA 2.0 DE. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. And as we once more run down to the beachside on our own tropical island, the All in IT Radio Island that we bought with all the money from the Swedish Podcasting Award, of course, we leave you with Dance in the Beautiful Night with Deton. Have a nice one, everyone.
Dennis so. Holm. Ja, Katar. I'm the hat maker. Hatter's gonna hat. Mm, indeed. That's enough warm-up for me. So now we go over to my cool thing for this week. Or this time, or this episode, or whatever this is. I've seen a vid- video of... I've seen a... Next segment. Thank you. That was a jingle. In the Matrix. This is where we wanna be. In the Matrix. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. In the sky, so ev- in net. <laughs> <laughs> don't break my groove, man. <laughs> you don't have any groove, man. Oh, you don't know half of it. Well, never mind. Uh, the first conference we attended this year, I think, was... Uh, the first the- conference we attended... Good day, Swedish people and ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this Liechtensteinian podcast. We are here once again and we will make your brains hurt. Goodbye. Well, that's a reference two years old by now. (laughs) Time for some new ones. Uh, Well, indeed. I I wholeheartedly agree. But still, the best... And if no, 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 enough of Stuart's opinions. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful! <laughs> I love it. Free Society and Conference Nordic Summit. Hoidi doi doi monkey donk. Pardon? No, you, the, the last part you can cut. Uh, and he was was. He was very... Was? <laughs> he was what very... are you trying to talk about? Und som flurpi flurp, perhaps? Flurpi flurpi flurpi. Next segment. Ding dong. So, now, me, Kenneth, and you, Dennis Holm, would like to... <laughs> what? <laughs> and... <laughs> yeah, it says right there. Right Do there. Do we have another one with us? Is he under my <laughs> table? Hello? No. Says on your screen. It says at Novel Lud, and that's Dennis Holm on Twitter. Ah, right. He's our technician. Gotcha, gotcha. Right. All right. He's the one <clears> making <throat> this podcast possible by ringing up our microphones and making it function. And oh, we love our Dennis Holm. Dennis Holm, you're our savior. <laughs> right. <clears throat> I think we have to mail him after this. <laughs> Warn him. <laughs> There's an oncoming storm, and you're right in the middle of. Well, it's someone tough. mentioned me on their podcast, and I don't really know what they're talking about. <laughs> oh, what a horrible situation! Ah, well, thankfully that not that many people listen to us. Right, 